Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bible, would you open it up? Hebrews chapter 11, as we continue in this series called Sold Out Summer. Let's sell out. Let's give it all this summer like some of these heroes in Scripture. So one thing that stood out to me the last few weeks, and, and, and it, it's kind of this, um, this ripoff of an old Hillsong. How many of you remember Hillsong United? And they had the song, One Way. Does anybody remember that song? One Way, right? And there was a line, yeah, somebody had even the clapping down, right? There you go. But there was a line in there that said, you are the way, the truth, and the life. We live by faith and not by, there you go. You all remember the song, right? And, and one thing that has totally stood out to me is that there are two ways to live life as a Christ follower. We can live by faith or we can live by sight. Uh, it stood out to me with, with Enoch. Remember, we've, we spoke about Enoch. He, he walked by faith. Abel worshiped God by faith. Last week, we spoke about Noah and how he was a worker. Noah was a total, a total embodiment of working by faith. And, and one thing that has continued to come up is that it's impossible to please God it's impossible to please God if we're just living by sight, if we're living based on what we see or what we calculate or human opinion. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Can we get into the word a little bit this morning? You, you all right? You okay? We, we sure? All right, let's get into the word. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. This is going to come up. Would you, would you circle that? Would you underline? They lived in what? Mansions? No, no, no. It says they lived in tents. They lived in tents waiting for that inheritance, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. God called him, and a little bit of, of context, a little bit of, of getting into this passage, if you would turn all the way back now, if you would, to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, and the Bible tells us a little bit about Abraham. He wasn't just this depressed guy with broken relationships looking for a change. He wasn't broke. We actually think he was a pretty wealthy man. It wasn't like Abraham was living in the dumps just looking for new scenery. Grass is greener on the other side of this situation. The Bible says Abraham was a prosperous. Business was good. The economy was good. At home he had a name that was good. He had friends. But this journey comes as a result of Abraham's faith. He hears the voice of God and he obeys it. Can we look at Genesis chapter 12? So we're jumping from the New Testament like we've been in this series back into the Old Testament scripture of these heroes. Let's read in verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. 
And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. 75 years old. Would you guys agree this is quite the change at this stage in life? This is quite the the mission to jump into. This man is 75 years old at this point. And to understand why would God call for such a a drastic change in this chapter of Abram's life. And for a little bit of context, all you need to do is jump back in in your Bible. Does anybody have your your Bible? Would you open it? And, And you can actually just flip it back one page. And you can look a little bit at Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 gives us a little bit of a context because much like Noah, things are regressing. There's this situation in Genesis chapter 11 where culture once again decides to rebel against God. The Tower of Babel is a period when when men decide to make much of themselves and they decide to make less of God. Right, we we kind of know the story, and I'm not going to jump all the way into it. But Abraham, he is raised in a culture of sin. He's raised in a culture of chaos. He's raised in in a culture that is deeply into idol worship. The Bible actually even says in Joshua 24, verse two, it says that Abraham even had family members that were into idol worship. Abraham even had members of his family. Look at Joshua chapter 24, verse two. Joshua said to all the people. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and they worshipped other gods. So Abraham, even in his family, he had family members intent on worshipping false gods. He had family members that knew about religion, right? They had a form of religion. They practiced religion, but they didn't have God involved in their relationship or their religion. God had a purpose for Abraham, but in order for him to jump into that purpose, in order for him to receive and and get that inheritance, and that's a part of this too, right? God says, I've got something for you. I've got something for you. We can't forget that with Abraham, right? But an extraction needed to take place. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Would you read this again? The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land, I will show you. See, God is, he's kind of like, he's, I imagine him talking to Abraham, you need to leave these problems behind. But I, I kind of think, he's like, you need to go and you need to be different. You need to leave the idol worship behind. You need to leave this, this sin thing better stop. This idol practicing Abraham better stop because I've got something better for you, but it involves you changing. It involves you moving. It involves your feet walking. As we've said in this series before, faith is, a lot of faith is, it's involved in what we do. We can feel, our, our meter of faith can feel totally empty. If we had a gas tank of faith, do you ever feel empty from time to time? But the Bible says you can actually still be full of faith based on what you do, right? Even when on, on emotionally you might be drained, but you can still be full of faith based on what you do, how you work for God. This, this, this first point this morning, would you write this down, number one? And I thought this was kind of strong language, but I just decided to stick with it. So I think sometimes we we like to sugarcoat things a little bit. But number one, would you write this down? We can't hang around paganism and still have God. And sometimes we like to say, we like, oh, dabble with sin or dabble with this. But in Abraham's culture, it was was a pagan culture. It was an idol-worshipping family members, right? 
And, and, and number one this morning, God wants us to go, but I would say it like this, we need to make sure we don't take our current sin with us. <clears throat> God wants us to move, but he doesn't want us to take our, our old sinful habits with us. And I said that when Chris was up here, I said, I like to have a lot of information before I make a decision. Sometimes that's a good quality, maybe sometimes it's a frustrating quality to some people that I work with, right? But I like to have all the information before I make a decision, often before I want to do something. Uh, my attitude's kind of like, like, this. like, have you ever thought about this? Like, God, show me where you're going to take me, and then I'll decide if I'm going to go there, right? I mean, you're, Christopher walked me to the, to the side of the stage years ago. I would have been able to just jump off. Now I think I would have blown out both knees, Right? But does anyone else do that when it comes to God? And it could be the smallest thing from what, what, you know, it could be, you know, God's called you to start a Zoom Bible study. He's called you to, to do something that you know. He's, he's given you clarity, but it's like, God, you got to give me the whole picture. Who's going to join? Who's going to be a part of it? How many people are going to be there? Right? We want to know everything. God, show me where you want me, and then I'll decide if I'm going to take that trip. Right? I remember when we used to print out the entire four pages of how to get to Camp Cedarcrest on MapQuest. Does anybody remember MapQuest? Right? You'd have like, I lost page three. I can't get there. Right? Before the age of cell phones and, and showing us how to, to drive certain places. But man, we're, we're, we're talking about, God, show me everything. Lay it out for me, and then I'll decide if I want to go. Right? That sounds to me, and if we're not careful, that's a whole lot more walking by sight and that's a whole lot less walking by faith. And, and I think God is like, you know what, Abraham, you need to clean up. You need to begin to mature. You need to, you need to get healthy. You need to wash your hands. And Abraham, I want you to go. John chapter 2, verse 15. Let's read this verse real quick. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is a strong, strong verse. John chapter 2, verse 15. If you love the world... Right? If you love the things of the world, then it says the love of the Father is not in him. To put it another way, we could fair paraphrase it and say, man, if, if we are a friend of the world, then we could possibly be an enemy of God. God's like, you got to leave that worldly thing behind, and too often we want to we take something broken along the journey with us. And, and here's kind of something that's on my heart, man, if if spiritually or habitually we are broken before we go, it won't magically get fixed upon arrival. And we're going to see this with Abraham. There's some things in his life that God stirs up that, 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 that actually delay this promise, that actually delay this inheritance. He's going to receive it. He's going to get it. God's going to come through on the promises, but there's some delays that take place. And I think it's quite possibly because there was some brokenness that Abraham took with him on the journey. And sometimes... I think we don't hear from God, we don't hear what he's calling us to do, we don't, we don't think of new creative ways to participate or to serve or ideas because simply we are just hanging out with the world's volume too much. We're hanging out with the world's uh, entertainment too much and, and it's impossible for God to, to get through and to communicate and to, 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 for the Holy Spirit to speak when we're just consumed with playlist after playlist of the world's songs in our ear right, of the world's movies or entertainment, whatever it is, if we consume so much of the world's stuff and the world's priorities and the world's values, God's not going to communicate. He's not going to compete with that. And I, I think as, as we jump into this story of Abraham, I think God has called every Christian. And this is a reality, folks. This is, I think, is a challenge for me. God's called us to leave worldliness behind. 
And if we watch out, like if we, if we let the Holy Spirit check us daily, it's like, oh my gosh, we realize how often we blow it, don't, don't we? Now, now get this, and much to do, and I, I love that, like, like, that Pastor Christopher is here to open us today. God hasn't called us to exit society. He hasn't called us to not play a role in culture. He hasn't called us to go run up and worship in the mountains of South Dakota and disappear and get all weird, right? No, I'm teasing. If you're from South Dakota, I apologize. I don't know. But I would say it like this, God wants to be involved in our actions. He wants to be involved in our attitudes. He wants to be involved in our work. He wants to be involved in our communication. We, we had a, uh, my wife and I had a, a wonderful chance to, to get away. I think this was a couple months ago. I can't even remember, right? Time's going too quick. But we were able to spend like a little couple nights at Resort World. And, and how many of you know sometimes when you're married with kids, it's just good to not have like kids in the room, right? You wake up and there's nobody in your bed, there's no foot on top of your face, whatever it might be. And so we were able to take a little staycation and I remember we, we woke up at about eight in the morning and I kid you not, you can't make this up, this seems like something out of a movie, but there's this, this banging like noise and it sounded like a jackhammer. And it, it was the loudest thing ever, and I call, it takes me like 20 minutes to get through to, to the front desk, and I say, it sounds like there's a jackhammer above us doing construction. And they said, well, it's funny, there is. And it's like 8 a.m., and I remember like, and just that simple thing, and I'm, I remember like trying to like, you know, hey, is there anything you guys are going to do about this? Is it going to stop? Am I just supposed to keep chilling? Like totally, totally interrupted that quiet nice quiet morning each morning we had right but if we apply that principle to our spiritual life I think sometimes we don't hear from heaven we don't even know what to pray about we don't even know what to pray for we don't know that inside information like we spoke about last week when the Holy Spirit will, will give us knowledge and he'll give us a nudge he'll give us hints right we, we can't get that information if we can't tune out all the distracting noise of the world the noise the noise of culture. And even Jesus, we see, right? Jesus sought to get away from people from time to time, didn't he? Jesus, like, he, he cared about everyone, but he made it a point to disappear and to get alone with the Lord. Number two, would you write this down? Your life of faith will also invo involve how you choose to live. Abraham, as we get into his story, he didn't, he didn't go, and then everything just worked out perfectly. He, he, he went, he, he took those steps, he made the journey, but he didn't immediately receive God's inheritance, did he? If you know his story, right, I would encourage you to kind of read through his, these chapters a little bit this week. Immediately, he didn't get what God promised. He didn't receive God's promise. He didn't just, he didn't just march into that, that destiny. They didn't just become a nation right away. Not at all. In fact, he left, and it says they were in Remember what it said? They stayed in what? They left like, I'd be like, Dad, we left your thriving business, we left our homes, we left our friends, and we're camping out for the next few decades? Thanks, Pops, right? This is an interesting story. He goes into a bit of a holding pattern, and, and he made it to the promised land, but that land didn't belong to him. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. By faith, Abraham lived as what? The Bible says he lived like an alien in, a, in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. 
fellow heirs to the same promise, waiting, 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 waiting. How many of us enjoy waiting? It's one of like the least enjoyable spiritual disciplines, isn't it? Right? Somebody said amen. There's somebody honest in church today, right? Perhaps I think one of the worst things to like learn how to do is to learn how to wait. But the reality is we often forfeit our inheritance when we don't know how to wait. Think of, think of damage that we cause in our own lives when we don't know how to wait, right? We, we often, sometimes we do this, we bail out when we're so close. We quit while we're waiting. You could be right on the cusp of a, of a spiritual breakthrough. You could be right on the cusp of that promise, and yet you, you give up or you walk away or you're disobedient. Sometimes being so close to our destination is the hardest part of the journey, Right? And man, if, if you're like 25 or under, if you're a young person in here and you're, you're like waiting for that next season, you're longing for one day to whatever it is, that family, that spouse, whatever it is, one of the worst things, one of the hardest things to do is to wait. But I promise you, I promise you, you, you God has a, a blessing for you. But, but man, if you don't wait well, that can be taken, that can change, that can, you, can, you could blow it. We flew home a couple weeks ago from Florida and I was telling you, um, what was supposed to be a, a one-way trip, a six-hour, five-and-a-half-hour flight, turned into a day later and four airplanes and three airports. But I got to tell you, the worst part of the trip was when we got stuck in Long Beach. It wasn't being in Texas. It wasn't being stuck overnight in Florida. It was like, do you ever feel like sometimes the hardest time to wait is when you're really, really close? Right? We got to Long Beach, and I remember thinking, like, we could drive home in four hours. Yet we're changing another plane. We're standing outside on the runway. We're literally on the runway, right, getting off this plane. I remember thinking, like, somebody, we could drive home in an Uber. Be a pricey Uber, but I'm sure somebody would gladly do it, right? But we, it's interesting because sometimes our desire for that thing that God has promised us it increases with proximity, right? Like you get really, really close and that desire to have it increases more and more based on how close we are to it. Well, Abraham, the Bible says he went, but he went and then they had to camp out. They had to call tents a home. They, they, they lived in tents. And, and here, here's something I think might, might be the, the, a little bit of a problem or that, we, that we run into. Number three, would you write this down? Are you ready to handle God's promise wisely once you get it? Sometimes that's why we have to wait a bit longer. Because it's like God could give you that promise, but you wouldn't know how to honor it, to cultivate it, to care for it, right? I remember when I was young, it was like, man, I wanted to, I wanted to go to my college, go to life and find a wife was the theme of the school I went to, right? And you, and you think, man... Are you ready to handle God's promise wisely once you get it? See, Abraham had a destiny. He had an inheritance. He had a, a promise that God had for him, but he wasn't totally ready. And that might describe maybe a situation that some of us are in today. God might be preparing that promise, or he might be willing to let you wait a little longer for it until you're healthy enough to care for it. So you're healthy enough to handle it, so you're healthy enough to receive that promise. I always think of it sometimes like when I remember even like learning how to give, I always thought, man, it'd be so cool if somebody would just give me $5 million. Anybody agree with that statement? If you don't agree with it, you're just like, right, wouldn't that be awesome? 
But sometimes I think like, man, why would God bless you with a, a, a job that, maybe it's a job that man, you're, you're starting out and you want to make $50,000, whatever the number is, right? But if you can't learn to honor God with that, uh, that, that, that smaller amount, if you can't learn to honor God with a $2,500 paycheck, why would you honor God with a $10,000 paycheck? Right? If you can't honor God with, with whatever your salary is now, why would you honor God with that giant $5 million inheritance? Right? I don't, there's no $5 million. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? That would be a sweet inheritance, right? Abraham had a few lessons to learn. I think his promise was delayed because not every decision, if you get into his story, like many of the heroes we've been dealing with, Noah, we're going to talk about David, we're going to talk about Moses, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different heroes, Rahab, we're going to talk about her, but a lot of these people, folks, they have sin issues. They, they are not perfect heroes, yet they are heroes nonetheless, but they are far, far from perfect. Not every decision Abraham made was a good one, nor heroic, and, and, and you know what? I think sometimes his, his bad choices cost him some years. In, in Scripture, we know that he, his, his son, the son that was promised, right? Isaac would be born. Abraham went. Abraham followed God, but I think he took a little bit of his Maybe he lied in his business dealings a little bit. Maybe he cheated a little bit. Maybe he cheated on his spouse. He still had a little bit of lying in him. He still had a little bit of cheating in him. The Bible says, get this, it says that in Scripture you'll find that Abraham slept with his handmaiden, resulting in a a child being born that I I think was, was outside of God's promise, outside of God's will possibly. Abraham needed to get healthy. He needed to... He needed to get healthy and learn how to grow and to do the right thing before he was ready to receive this promise. I think sometimes, would you write this down? This is, a, I think, a bit of a, a sobering thought for me at times, but I think it's true. Most of us ourselves, we delay the promise we're waiting for because we choose not to wait well. Many times, we, we, we delay God's promise for us because we choose not to wait well. We choose our habits, we choose our sin, we choose what we're saying or doing. We make these choices that we're not waiting well and so we delay the the, the promise that God has for us. And we're so close but we're like stuck in that waiting room. I mean, you know, ever felt like that? Sometimes you're at the doctor's office and you're like, are they ever gonna just open that door and call my name? Right? But it was no big deal driving 20 minutes to get there, right? It's just, you're so close. Number four, I'm going to close with this. Tanner, would you come and close us on the keys this morning? Number four, when we keep our eyes focused on heaven, we will live better on earth. When we keep our eyes on heaven, when we look to heaven, you will live better on earth. Um, I don't know about you, but I tend to go to the same news channels for information Sometimes I'll glance at a couple different ones just to see what they're saying, how they spin it, right? But when I get too focused on what's going on in the world, I get depressed. Would anybody here like agree with that? When I get too focused on what I see happening in the world, when I get too focused on, I mean, I, 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 I got to be honest, I was like depressed for like a week after I saw the, after I saw the, the results for Republican uh, primaries, whatever that was, Right? When I get too focused on what's going on in the world, I get upset because 
Folks, we need to remember that this world is not all there is. It's important that we participate. It's important that we strive for change. It's important that we represent Christ. But man, this world isn't all there is. And sometimes I think, sometimes when we think like, man, I'm getting kind of bored. Is this, God, is this all you have for me, right? I think sometimes we get bored because we realize how broken society is. We, we, we realize how broken our world is. And the Bible says it like this, don't put everything into a temporary thing. Don't put all, everything into a temporary world. Abraham lived, the Bible says, he lived for a long time as a what? As an alien, as a foreigner. I love the term a sojourner, somebody who's passing through this world is not your home. And he lived, the Bible says, in a strange land, and he lived in a tent, which is every wife's dream, right? Um, right? No wonder he and Sarah had issues, right? Man, you put me in a tent for this long? No, I'm teasing. We'll talk about her soon. But they were, they were in a, a, a tent, not even a permanent place. And here, here's what I think is, is, is frightening to me, and I see this in... I see this in people, I see this in myself, if I'm not careful. Um, I see this in churches, I even see it in denominations sometimes. It gets scary to me when I see Christians in denominations and churches that they begin to copy the thought patterns, the habits, the language, the talking points, right? The, the behaviors of the world. And that's concerning to me because, right, as, as Christ followers and as the church, we should be operating much differently. First Peter chapter 2, it says this, verse 11, Peter says, dear friends, I warn you, and would you underline this, as, as temporary residents. Peter says, as temporary residents and foreigners. Does this sound familiar? Right? Does this sound like Abraham a little bit? I warn you as, as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. I'm gonna pause right there and, and we'll jump, keep verse 12 ready to go for me if you could, if, if, you're, if you're in the word this morning. But how many of you ever traveled maybe for business? You're jumping back and forth city to city. Like if, if you are traveling to a hotel, even in Vegas, if you're staying one night, two nights, are you going to unpack everything? Are you going to like set up your, your, your bathroom toiletries and make sure it's all perfect? Usually when we travel, I just grab stuff out of the baggie. Any guys do that, right? Right? You just start to grab what you need. Why do you grab what you need? Why don't you bother filling up every drawer and making it perfect? Because you know you're leaving, right? It might be the next day or the day after, but you know you're like, I don't need to get too comfortable here in this hotel room because I'm out of here. I'm out of here pretty soon. And often our earthly perspective, it can get really blurry when we lose sight of heaven. I love that series we did last fall, the series called Heaven, right? Our earthly perspective, we can get real depressed. Things can get real blurry when we lose sight of what God has. Verse 12, let's read this. 2 Peter 2, verse 12. Be careful, church. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Is that a word for us today? Right? What a challenge for us when we experience victory, when we experience loss. It says, live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. We had a theme at kids camp, and I think we should make it a theme at, at, at a church. One of our, our camp directors said, if it's in the Bible, it's true. 
right? If God said it, it's true. And, and look at this. This scripture can make some of us a little bit uncomfortable because I think we lack that from time to time. We're not always careful about what the unbeliever sees, are we? Oftentimes we talk like everybody else, we gossip like everybody else, we're angry like everybody else, we swear like everybody else. And Peter says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Um, I don't know if you've noticed a common theme, and we're going to see it with more of these heroes that we're going to talk about in weeks to come for the rest of this summer, but there's a common theme that all of these heroes of Scripture experience. They all experience a bit of pain in their lives. Has anyone here ever experienced loss? Have anyone experienced hardship? Has anyone here experienced pain today, right? All of these heroes in Scripture mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, they, they go through a series of heartbreak. Some of them go through disappointments. Some of them go through family betrayal. Some of them go through struggles. Some of them go through trials. Some of them go through loss. And much, much, much more. We're going we're gonna to see this. It's like a common theme that goes on with these people. But here's what I want to close with and I want to leave us with today. All of these people mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 that we've been talking about this sold out summer, they all experience loss, hardship, depression, emotional pain, loss, betrayal. But when they walked through it, all of them knew where to look when they experienced pain. All of them knew where to direct their eyes to. They looked to God. They, they decided to have a kingdom perspective instead of an earthly perspective, right? And I think of it like this, like if I would have been just walking when Christopher told me to walk off the stage, I've been looking back at him, what would have happened? I just would have kept going, right? Think of it in our life, right? We can't be walking forward, but at the same time constantly looking behind us, can we? You're, you're going to like trip, you're going to run into something, you're going to drive someone totally crazy, but where we are looking depends on, it, it, where we are looking affects where we will end up. What, who we are looking to, it affects what we will do. Where we are looking, it, it impacts our direction, it determines our location. The Bible says to keep our eyes fixed on him. He's what? The author, the perfecter, the finisher of what? Of our faith. And, and, and what is our faith, folks? Our faith is found in what we do, right? Our faith, and, and Sean laid it out so wonderfully in, in Romans chapter 12, but faith is found in what we do. It's, 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 no matter what following Christ, we have to have a, there's a, gonna be a time where each of us have to decide what's your faith gonna look like. Bible says that he's going to give us wisdom to navigate the world around us. He's going to give us wisdom to navigate the sin around us. We don't always know what's waiting for us around the next corner. We don't always know what's waiting for us after you climb the current mountain that you're climbing and you finally catch your breath to look over that mountain and see what's ahead of you. You don't know what's going to be there. But the Bible says that if you fix your eyes on him, if we fix our eyes on heaven, if we fix our eyes on the king, then we just keep going. We just keep going. Kind of like Noah. We just keep hammering away. We just keep building. We just keep chopping cypress trees. And then God, the Bible says, he's going to give you the tools you need to accomplish his purpose for his kingdom. Did we hear that, church? As we are obedient, God will give us the tools we need to accomplish his purpose 
for his kingdom. And man, when we serve his kingdom, church, there is abundant blessing that we will get to be a part of. Amen? Let's bow our heads. God, we, we love you. We thank you for this time in the Word. Even in his own family, there was a bit of idol worship going on. There was religion, but there was no relationship. There was religion, but there was no relationship with God. And God, we just ask, as, as many of us at 9 o'clock, God, we come to church a lot. We spend time in your house a lot. But God, we may not have these wooden idols that Abraham dealt with in his culture and they would bow down to these wooden statues. But God, we have other idols that we bow down to on a regular basis. Can you just ask the Lord with your head bowed and your eyes closed, God, God, reveal to me an area where it's possible that I've chosen an idol over you. An idol can be an unauthorized place, an unauthorized person, a thing that you, man, something that you look to in order to make decisions. But what you look to isn't God. Whomever, whatever, it influences you to make a final decision, that that could be an idol. If it's not the living word, if it's not the living God, it's an idol. You serve what you obey. We worship what we align with. Matthew 6, 24 makes it real simple. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the the one and and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. But with that passage, I want with every head bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to ask you, the Bible says you cannot serve God and wealth. I want you to maybe substitute in a different word for wealth. You cannot serve God and wealth. Be prideful. You you cannot serve God and be stuck in some habit, some sin. You cannot serve two masters. What God, what is it you're revealing to us today? You cannot serve God and and the popular opinion of others. You can't serve God and people pleasing. You can't serve God and dishonesty. You can't serve God and and be prideful. God, would you reveal to us those, those areas where maybe Maybe we've got some type of idol in our life. God, help us to look to heaven so that it will affect our actions to live better on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.